The opinions and viewpoints expressed in .NET Rocks are not necessarily those of its sponsors or of Microsoft Corporation, its partners, or employees. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, which is solely responsible for its content. Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter. Kids, stop paring your pineapple and listen up. It's time for another stellar episode of .NET Rocks, the internet audio talk show for .NET developers with Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. This is Lawrence Ryan announcing show number 467 with guests Emery Kuchiman and Mark Friedman, recorded live Monday, July 20th, 2009. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter. And now offering .NET new video training with Chris Hammond from Engage Software on DVD in RTV style. Order your copy now at www.franklins.net. Support is also provided by Telerik, combining the best in Windows forms and ASP.NET controls with first-class customer service. Online at www.telerik.com. And by Code Magazine, the leading independent magazine for .NET developers. Online at www.code-magazine.com. And now, the man who's dying a slow death on a pub tour of Ireland. But oh, what a way to go. Carl Franklin! Thank you very much. Welcome back to .NET Rocks. Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell here with you for your... .NET listening pleasure. What's up, Richard? Uh, you know, I'm home for uh, the summer. It's been beautiful here. Barbecuing. What more can you ask for? Dude, uh, family reunion last weekend. Oh, no. All I'm going to say is my uh, father's side of the family is, uh, I, I like to call them uh, educated rednecks. Interesting. Yeah. They're, <laughs> they they like to, their favorite thing to do is sit around and read. Note, like TV is like, huh? They're still on dial-up. You know, they live in rural Pennsylvania, and and they're wicked, wicked smart. And and this is the the Ben Franklin line you're talking about. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. We're we're uh, descendants of uh, second cousin to Benjamin Franklin. Wow, Joseph, intellectual rednecks. Intellectual rednecks. Yeah, it's really really interesting. Okay. Well, anyway, that's uh, all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, we'll bore the listener. Let's get into Better Know Framework. All right. Better Know Framework is this little section where I shine a little light on a dark corner of the .NET uh, framework. And, oh, boy, what a dark corner we have today. Yeah, what have you found? I found the regcode namespace, not Uh system regcode, not Microsoft.Windows.regcode, but just the regcode namespace. And uh, there's three classes in here. There's a reg code class. There's a remote um, registration class. And you know, you know the com object registration tool, regasm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, this is basically a class for invoking that. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So from .NET. Yeah, from .NET. Now, when you go to the um, uh, add references in Visual Studio, you won't find it in the list. 
I, I just did a little bit of searching here and found out that it's in Framework 1.1. Only? Only. Like, I couldn't find it in 2.0, couldn't find it in 3.5. Well, it'd be in 2.0 otherwise, but it's in 1.1. And, uh, I mean, that's all I could find out just looking very quickly uh, for it. But maybe an alert listener has some other uh, information they could share with us about RegCode. But that's what it's for. It's for uh, using the assembly registration tool, RegASM, that reads the metadata in assembly and adds the necessary entries to the registry. And that enables COM clients to create .NET Framework classes transparently. Cool. Well, I'd love to get an email from someone talking about how they're using that. It's worth a mug to us for sure. sure. Absolutely. If you've got uh, emails like the one Richard's about to read, send it to .NET Rocks at Franklin's Net. Lay it on me, Richard. Here we go. Hello, Carl and Richard. I've been working at the university for several years doing contract work for the city of Albuquerque, where I'm located. I just heard on show 462, Paul Stubbs on Silverlight and SharePoint, that Microsoft is starting a new website to help developers in these tough economic times. Even my seemingly safe job isn't as secure as it was in the past, so I'm interested in updating my skill set as you never know when you may need it. I'll be looking forward to what's on Thrive for Developers and the content that you both will be putting up there. And I love .NET Rocks. Been listening for the last couple of years. It's really the highlight of my week to hear both episodes. Please keep it up. Rod Falanga. Thanks, Rod. Yeah. And uh, the site that um, that Rod's talking about is called Thrive, and it's at msdnevents.com slash thrivedev. And that's where our Development in a Downturn podcast series is being published every week. Yep. We did 10 shows, and, and they're all about what you can do, uh, you know, if you find yourself out of work or if you want to prevent yourself from being out of work, uh, you know, how to survive it. We really got an interesting cross-section of viewpoints there. And there's, a, yeah. I think, there's three or four shows published now, but they're coming out every week. So you can go back and listen to them all. And that brings us to today's guests, uh, Emery Kujiman and Mark Friedman. Emery is a researcher in the Internet Services Research Center, the ISRC, and Microsoft Research in Redmond, where his interests are broadly in the area of large-scale Internet services, their operations, and their end-to-end reliability. Often, his work focuses on monitoring and machine learning analysis of system behavior to improve reliability and performance. Most recently, his research has focused on web applications. Mark Friedman is our other guest. He's an architect on the Visual Studio Diagnostics team. His main area of focus is the Microsoft Performance Tools, including the Performance Profiler. He's been with Microsoft for three years and has written several books on performance. Emery, Mark, welcome. Nice to be here. Thanks, guys. Nice to have you. And Emery, nice to have you back. I'm happy to be back. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah, your last show we were talking about Ajax View uh, back in March 2008. That's right. So 324. So to give you a, a quick um, reminder or, or review of what Ajax View was, it's a research project that attempted to give web application developers better visibility into how their JavaScript code is running inside the end user's browsers. Yeah. So the idea is that you know, you're writing these huge web applications these days, lots and tens of thousands or or hundreds of thousands of lines of JavaScript code, you're shipping them down to your end user's browsers. They're running it, but you have no idea as a developer whether your users are getting a good experience, whether it's fast or slow, or even whether it's throwing exceptions. So 
AJAX View attempts to give that visibility to web app developers by automatically instrumenting the JavaScript code as it's sent out to the end user's browser. And then we basically the research was around how to make sure that that instrumentation is efficient and your users don't actually see any performance penalty because of the instrumentation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So now yep. you know, what's happened since we had the show is um, we've been working together with Visual Studio and we recently released a Power Tool uh, version of that and we can talk about that. Well, sure. Why not? Let's talk about it. A Power Tool. Okay. So what we did was uh, we basically took our previous implementation, our research project, and it had been implemented as a proxy so that we as researchers could experiment with any website we wanted. We, we put the proxy between the web browser and the, any server we want, and we get to automatically instrument that JavaScript code. What we've done in the Power Tool is we've made it easier to use for your own web servers. So what we do is we, we took out the instrumentation bit, and we plugged it into uh, IIS. So it's now a module that you just install on your web server, and now all of your JavaScript that gets served out can be instrumented. There's a little web admin interface. You check a box, and you start instrumenting and collecting data. And then you can download the profiles for any of your JavaScript code uh, into Visual Studio and explore it using Visual Studio's performance profiler. Very cool. We're very excited about it, yeah. Okay, and so that brings us to Visual Studio integration. So what's the story there? The story there is that we've, uh, with uh, Emory's help, we've developed a power tool that's available out on Code Gallery that people can go and download. And this power tool then... It integrates into Visual Studio. It's got a couple different components. And it, it integrates into uh, Visual Studio 2008 at the moment. And we are working to get it to, to sync up with uh, Visual Studio uh, Dev 10. And Emery's team, I think, is doing that. And we're hoping to get that out soon. And um, we're looking at getting feedback from customers to see where we should go with this. I mean, we have some broad ideas about how to do, I would say, a, a full job of end-to-end -end performance monitoring for, for .NET applications, where we've got, you know, client pieces, we've got the server-side pieces, we've got the data tier, we've got a web services tier, perhaps we've got the cloud. And what we're looking at on, on the performance tools end uh, is how to build a real holistic view of, of all that and then give you specific tools to drill into your specific problems. So are we talking about uh, this is just a debugging tool, or do we leave it on all the time in production apps? This is Emory again. And what the power tool is, um, is right now intended for testing environments. So it's, it works at small scale. We haven't uh, done all the engineering work so that it can work on a production site yet. Um, that's obviously the direction we want to go. But right now, you can take the power tool, install it on your IIS server in your testing environment, run your test workloads against it, and use that data to, to give back to your developers uh, information about the performance and everything. The, the key uh, technology that's in the AJAX view, AJAX scope, what are we calling it these days? AJAX scope? Sure. Or Something AJAX like view. that. Yeah. Uh, technology, well, there's, there's two major pieces of it. One of the keys is that there's an instrumentation piece where the JavaScript, just before it's downloaded to your web client, is instrumented, and that instrumentation is what we're using to measure performance. Mm -hmm. And that's injected into your app by a server-side component that's integrated with IIS. 
and that's the way the instrumented app gets out in the field. Now, we don't have a whole suite of management around managing that in basically a production environment yet, but that would be the general direction where we see this going. So we are recommending that people use this more in a test environment, but the profiles that it produces basically tell you for your test scenario, whatever your, or your load test kind of environment, um, how long functions are taking on the client, are taking and nice integration into uh, individual studio. And of course, because of the JavaScript instru instrumentation is being done on the server and it's all standard JavaScript, this is stuff that works across web browsers. So you can be using the same performance profiling tool whether you're running your tests in Firefox or IE or Safari or even I think it works on Google Chrome. Wow. And transparent, that's where we've seen that one of the issues in getting a tool into the browser and for us, the, uh, the browser that we could put uh, a tool, tools like this into, of course, would be IE. But um, there's um, you got to get, get customers to opt in on that, and then things are being loaded down, and you know, the browser is filled with all kinds of security these days to keep extensions from occurring. So with the right. technique that uh, Emory and his folks here have pioneered, no need to worry about any of that. You basically download an instrumented version of the script. Yeah, I, I know my dev machines browsers are full of HTTP Watch and Fiddler and Firebug and all those kinds of things, but my clients don't have any of that stuff. And when we start having, you know, we never have these performance problems with our own machines. Yeah, and, you know, people are starting to really develop, especially with the, the libraries that we have now that let you do AJAX. They're starting to get some fairly heavyweight development at the client, and we're right. scrambling on the tool side to catch up to them. Um, as we make things like web services easier and easier to get to from the client side, we've got to get the tools into place that let people evaluate what's really going on. So, no, it's performance-oriented. It's not designed to be debugger, but we see some applica potential applications in the basic technology for things like, you know, code coverage and test impact analysis, which are also things that are coming for mainline applications in, in Dev10. So. So what kind of info are we getting out of this? Like, what is it telling us about the AJAX running on the browser? Well, so what the Power Tool captures right now is the performance profiles of each of the functions that are defined in your own script. So essentially what okay. we're doing is we're putting a start and an end logging, fu logging uh, function uh, into every function that, that you write. And then we capture that data. So it gives us performance profiles as well as call traces. And um, then you get to aggregate that up and see where the problems are in your code from a performance point of view. There's obviously, I mean, extensions you could do to capture more data for debugging, and that's, that's something we're looking at. So it would be equivalent to, among the uh, profiler options, would be equivalent to an instrumented profile because there's code added to the uh, prologue and epilogue of every function call. Um, you could see that just like with the instrumentation, um, we could see options which aren't there now. We could see extensions where you'd have some more selectivity about what uh, functions you'd want to instrument. But for instance, if, you're, if your client-side code is spending a lot of time in a web service call, um, we would have that, but of course that is also asynchronous. So we've been talking about, well, how do we, how do we how do we make that kind of response time oriented? But anyway, we've got the basic measurements, and now we're, we're thinking about how to really make these stick to the application model that you're using. 
And does it instrument everything? Like I'm, I'm immediately thinking that I'm surprised how many times I've found out that my performance problems were caused by something like a Google Analytics bug added into my my web page. Will it pick that up for me too? Um, it will. The, because it's a server side integrated uh, instrumentation, it is only able to instrument things that come from your IIS server. Right. Yeah. So um, in that case, I think if the Google Analytics code that's causing problems is being served from Google's own CDN or so, you'd have a, a bit of difficulty capturing that unless there was some third-party code that you're calling into because then we'd be able to capture from, from your code the fact that that was taking a long time. But that's definitely one of the challenges we're trying to figure out how to take this tool and integrate uh, with it further knowledge of what's going on. Uh, Complementary to something like the Ajax View uh, Power Tool is another tool that's available called uh, VRTA, Visual Route Round Trip Analyzer, that sits on top of uh, Network Monitor. And that can give you insight into basically page load time and where your delays are around specific you know, you, you see in these pages something getting whacked in from into your page from an outside server that's serving up oh, an ad or analytics or all of those pieces show up in the broader trace. But that's not visible necessarily from the JavaScript. One of the things that, that's interesting about the JavaScript, though, as I said, is that that's, that's definitely the model that people are using to program for, for web apps these days. So we're seeing more and more complexity there. And those complex scripts are very difficult to categorize in terms of their performance. So this is a technique to get at that piece of it. But we're still just getting pieces, and our challenge for the tools is to get you that whole whole picture of what what's going on at every level of your app. And uh, it's a challenge because, you know, we can't stop the other teams in Microsoft from releasing new stuff all the time. And uh, we, we do scramble on the, school, on the tool side just to keep up with them. Sure. Yeah, it's that can be very challenging. Just as there's so many moving parts going on here, and trying to avoid breaking things. But it, I guess I'm trying to get the key points here that you add in the profiling code at the server level, and you're basically just ra- you're identifying and marking methods in JavaScript. That's right. And then the client captures all these messages about, you know, I entered function foo at time zero, and then I exited at time two. And it aggregates all that up and then pushes it back to the web server so the developer can then, you know, download and take a look at those profiles. How does this compare with something like Firebug? So Firebug is a great tool if you're debugging your own application um, from your computer. Okay. Um, But if you want to get visibility into how your JavaScript is running across lots of different people's machines uh, across lots of different browsers, then you need a tool like um, like, a- like our Ajax profiling mm-hmm. power tool that will be able to instrument the JavaScript itself so that you can work across all these environments. Firebug is really a one-client, one-person-at-a-time kind of tool. Yes. In other words, yeah. And really, the, the, that's a tool that the dev runs. Yeah. Here you're actually shipping code to the client to right. the to the user yeah that's right and we would definitely want to move into the like looking forward into where like directions for this power tool we'd love to move this into a, a production environment where you're actually collecting real world data and you get to see what your real users are seeing and that's really um 
you know, very exciting. That's great data. Performance really affects, you know, how much time people spend on your site, what they do there, whether they stay engaged or whether they get distracted and go off and do something else. So we think performance is really critical for these web apps. And, you know, we'll see um, how planning goes going forward. But um, obviously that's a great direction. This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by our good friends at Telerik, without whom this show would not exist. No doubt you bump into testing tasks now and then in your work. And we can bet writing functional tests is not your favorite thing. It's difficult. It takes ages and the results could be dubious. Well, get ready to start liking it thanks to Telerik. With the just-launched Web AII testing framework, building web automation tests is a breeze. Enjoy code-based automation of advanced ASP.NET AJAX and Silverlight apps. Write a single test and have it executed against multiple browsers at once. Benefit from rich API link support, integration with Visual Studio unit testing, NUnit, XUnit, and MBUnit, not to mention the free wrappers for Telerik RAD controls for ASP.NET AJAX and Silverlight as shipped with Telerik's new testing tool. Surely one of its best features... Web AII Testing Framework, which is developed by Art of Test, is absolutely free. If you're already hooked on Web AII Testing Framework, you can start using it right away. Go to Telerik.com for more info. And hey, make sure you thank them for supporting .NET Rocks. So guys, how are you sending this data back to the server? Is this all like web services calls, AJAX calls? Yeah, so we take the the log data that's collected at the client, we just toss it into a, a you know a list in JavaScript. Basically, we just keep appending every log message that we generate about these timestamps and performance information. Then um, every it's a configuration. Every you know five minutes or sixty seconds or thirty seconds or whatever you want to set, the client side code uh, triggers a timer, and then that timer grabs this list of stuff packages it into an XML HTTP request over to the server, basically posting it up to your IIS. Right. And and I'm worrying about performance impacts here is just how much overhead am I adding by doing this? But if the fact that you're not sending it every time a method call is happening makes me happy, and, you know, I'd rather consume some memory first and ship it periodically. And then you can dial it down if you're worried. Yeah. Well, it's inside our instrumentation, there's a, um, a config that's easy for, I guess it's easy for us to change. I'm not sure if it's exposed to, to, to users of the power tool. But if there are uh, problems with that that people are seeing, if that's a desire, obviously we'd love to hear this type of feedback. Okay. We don't have a lot of uh, controls around managing the volume of data that, that, that can be generated across a, a large number of users or a pretty complicated website. So that's the piece that obviously needs to be um, something we're going to go forward with if people like it and think it's the right direction for us to be going. But we wanted to make it available. Uh, we thought at this point it's, use, it's more than usable. And, uh, and and having visibility into, into the JavaScript side, the client side of your AJAX application. I, I don't know how else you can get it at the moment. Right. We do have some other things that are shipping in, um, in, dev, in Visual Studio 10 that rely on um, a, a specific version of, of Internet Explorer and some APIs that are, that are there. And we can do that sort of thing, too, but that is dependent on you having IE on the client. 
Yeah, and now, then you're back to browser specificity, and that causes its own set of problems. I'd love to jump in here and, and tell you a little bit about the things we do to minimize the performance impact um, on the research side of things. The, the stuff that isn't in the power tool yet, but uh, the techniques that we have explored and we know work. Maybe come in a coming version? In a coming version, sure. Yeah. So what, um, so what we do is we explore two techniques. One is distributed instrumentation, and one is adaptive instrumentation. Hmm. But the, the distributed instrumentation is really simple to explain. We basically take a look at all the different places we could be adding instrumentation into a program. And we say every user is going to instrument maybe a percent of these things. So now you have thousands of users to your website, um, and each, each of them comes in and gathers a little bit of data for you and sends it up to the server. But in aggregate, the developer gets a complete view of the performance information. Oh, I see. Yeah, so rather than logging every method on every browser, you log a subset of them, and the, and the net is what you wanted anyway. Exactly. Exactly. And so this means that no one is running all the instrumentation code, so no one sees that you know, potentially uh, slow version. Everyone's just running a small set, everyone's happy, and all the data gets collected in the end. Uh, the second one, adaptive instrumentation, uh, that one is uh, a technique that actually looks at the incoming performance profile data and uses that to figure out what should be instrumented next. So let's say a user comes in, downloads something, and you find out the... Um, you know, the mouse down event handler is really slow. Well, then the adaptive um, kind of engine in the, in, in the instrumenter would say, what functions are getting called inside the mouse down event handler? Let's drill down and instrument those. Then we'll see which of those are slow, and we'll then instrument another level and another level, basically drill down until you get to the, the, the real um, problem in your code. And this works because in the web app environment, you always have new users coming in, downloading new versions of the code, so you can basically get very quick turnaround on data for a new kind of instrumentation uh, that you want to do. Yeah. So you can see by a combination of those two techniques that you can start to build something that really can handle production volumes, which is where we want to go with this kind of tool. Yeah, if you're running a site doing 100 transactions a second, you could you're going to be able to drill through fairly quickly before to, to down to the thing that actually matters. You're not trying to get everything in one request. That's right. That's right. There's obviously some kind of aggregation you have to make sure you do to you know resolve variances in people's hardware and things like that. You're going to have to take an average of a lot of users to to get good data. But if you have hundreds of transactions going on, yeah, you're going to get there pretty quick. One of the things we're do, we're leveraging in the power tool that's interesting is new features of IIS, basically something called the integrated pipeline. Have you guys done shows yeah. on that in the past? I don't think we've done a show. Uh, I'm aware of it, but I don't know that we've done a show specifically on this. This is part of IIS 7. Part of IIS 7, and there's now a very explicit architecture that any web application um, is, uh, is executed in, in specific what they call pipeline stages. And this allows us to plug in a module into the pipeline. So we have a very straightforward way of hooking into IIS at the time, at, at the point where your JavaScript is being downloaded and getting uh, before and after, uh, get, putting the instrumentation in and then, and then shipping it out. 
And that integration with IIS is also critical because we have a, an IIS component that's then responsible for oh, managing it when you, ha you have somebody to send it to back at the client level. So getting this into IIS 7 was a pretty cool thing. Just from a perspective of being able to be very precise about the detail, this all feels very much like regular .NET profiling uh, again, even though it's doing all these tricks with JavaScript. Is the view client, the way that I look at this data, is this all in, in studio then? There's no other way to look at it? Uh, it absolutely looks exactly like the same experience you get with the Visual Studio profiler. Okay. It's just a different kind of profiler uh, file that you open up. And you, and you, open, yeah, you open it up from studio. Because I'm just thinking in long term, if this is running full time, you probably wouldn't want to look at it in studio. You'd want some other kind of client. We do, and the kind of thing that uh, Emory is talking about uh, in terms of being adaptive, I think uh, I've been experimenting with the idea of, well, let's make this service level oriented. Maybe we have some very high-level measurements that measure service levels and then only start to inject more and more instrumentation into your code adaptively when there are problems. And in the web environment, that would work, as Emery said, because you're constantly introducing new users into the, uh, into the mix and new opportunities to download the code. So, um, yeah, yeah. You, once you have broad coverage, once you're looking at um, – we have to create the data. I'm not sure uh, Visual Studio then becomes the, the right way to, to, to display this data. We might create the data and then open it up for different management frameworks, for instance. I'm also starting to think in terms of the same way we do with like uh, Silverlight's ability to to dynamically adjust the the quality of the video based on your connection that you could start adapting your app based on the strength or performance of the browser at the other end. Yeah, adaptive streaming. Yeah, don't you think? I mean, most of the time, the performance is I just need to know reporting and I just need to know that I'm hitting my goals. And 99% of the time I am and across 99% of our clients. So clearly, you don't want to instrument everything. You want to be able to instrument intelligently. And yeah, I think that's the way to go. Yeah, I'm also thinking in terms of I'm going to give this guy a lighter weight site because his machine can obviously not hack it. That's a very interesting idea. And if the web developer is willing to basically code up versions or mark certain features as being you know heavyweight features, that's definitely something that, that you could determine based on this profile data. Now. Yeah. What we ha one other project that we have been working on, again, on the research side of things, is a project that takes this performance profile data and uses it to figure out what code runs early in the initialization of the page and the basic features and what code users tend to not call until much later, or perhaps mm. not even call at all. Mm. And what we do is we automatically rewrite the JavaScript code so that you only download the code that you need initially. And then all the extra features, everything gets downloaded in the background. So essentially what we're doing is we're stubbing out the functions you're not going to use, shrinking them down to like, I think, and then we get down to 20 to 40 bytes for a function. And then if that function is needed, basically, it'll be downloaded later, right. either in the background or pushed down at the, the time that you, that you need to call it. Just-in-time kind of delivery of your functions. Yeah, or delay loading or all sorts of, yeah. Well, Richard, you're... Um... App server from, from uh, um, Strange Loop. Yeah, from yeah, Strange Loop. Yeah, the AS1000. Yeah, the AS1000 does some really interesting stuff with images. Maybe you, sh you could talk about that. Well, and I was thinking specifically, we, we have that feature in our appliance for m identifying JavaScript chunks that aren't used in, as part of the load part of the page. Yeah. 
we move them down so that they're asynchronously loaded at the end of the page. Um, but that, you know, now you get into a whole lot kind of the performance things. Like we get into spriting images together to minimize round trips and so on. That, that's all about creating performance options. But it's just interesting to see how you guys are getting to that same sort right. of place where by having this profile data, you know what methods are being used and not used. You've got a, a really interesting insight into what could be asynchronously loaded late and what needs to be available early. Yeah, again, as the programs get more and more complicated, it's not really easy to do a kind of a static analysis of just the code. You really need to understand what data is being accessed, what passed through the code that 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 uh, that users of the application are, are executing. And yeah, the only way I think to really do it effectively is to be monitoring it as you go. Yeah. Well, no, there's no substitute for empirical data. What did you they bet. call? You bet. You bet, yeah. And if people want to read more about this project, and we can talk about it more if you have questions too, but I just want to make sure we give the reference. This is joint work with a colleague, Ben Lifshitz at uh, MSR, and the project name is DOLOTO, D-O-L-O-T-O. It stands for, uh, depending on um, who you ask or when you ask us, it stands for either Download Time Optimizer or it's uh, Russian for chisel, uh, chipping away at your JavaScript code. Interesting. And Ben will no doubt appreciate that plug, Emily. <laughs> I'm sure he will. <laughs> So there is still a, a re, when we were originally talking about doing a show, I was fascinated to see here's a Microsoft research project that's going, that's becoming a shipping product, a, a part of the suite, but there's still a research part of this going on. Oh yeah, there's so much data here and the web environment is really very exciting in terms of having, you know, server side control over what your users are, are running. Whenever they come in, you have another chance to decide and give them one thing or the other. Right. So in terms of running, you know, A-B tests around what actually helps performance or not in terms of um, really getting, being able to take detailed instrumentation. Yeah, it's very exciting. Well, and on the, on the product development side, we are just thrilled with the work that Emray and his uh, folks over here have done and their insights into the architecture of the browser and JavaScript were quite frankly skills that we didn't have internally. So we were very glad to pick up on their work and, and encourage it and, and work with them. How different is the mindset of a researcher to a guy who builds products? Like, did you find we're, that... We're looking at each other right now. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, don't mean to put you guys on the spot because there you are. But, you know, I got to think that... It's a little different. It's a little yeah, different. But different. what we've found working together is... Um, our, our deliverables are usually a little different, but here we had we were able to sync up on getting the same deliverable and the same same goal. Yeah. Um, we, for us in the product side, we don't care until we ship it, and it's great to have all these great ideas. And you know, in a way, I, I, great ideas are a dime a dozen. We all have them. Can we implement them? Can we put all the quality? Uh, can we hurt? clear all the quality gates around it, create the documentation, create the whole experience. We have to do that before we're ready to ship it. So, yeah, that's a little different. Mm -hmm. But in terms of the ideas, sometimes we're driving some things that look pretty researchy, and sometimes these guys over in MSR are doing things that look eminently practical. How about that? <laughs> so I guess the other layer of this question would be how much of the code base that was written by MSR actually made it into the product? For the power tool, actually, good chunks of it. The um, we did swap out the JavaScript parser we were using, and we but we kept all the instrumentation code, things that 
you know, analyze the code and figure out where to put instrumentation. And I think even though it's not exposed, a lot of the logic for, for you know, doing the adaptive and distributed instrumentation is still there, although since it's not being called by the power tool, it's, that probably doesn't count. And then on our side, we, we did on the product side, we uh, put this through uh, the ringer in terms of uh, quality testing and, um, you know, did it support all the versions of the browser that we needed, all the versions mm-hmm. of, of IIS, all the versions, et cetera. Um, we caught this in flight. Um, uh, when did we release this? Probably around March? I April? think end of April. End of April. So Dev 10 was on a, uh, a separate development path. So we decided not to sync up at that point, but we're uh, fully ready to sync up in the future um, and get this integrated into the Dev 10 builds. And we have lots of new features on the profiling side that really should uh, should make this a very exciting addition to what uh, to what people are getting. There's always an interesting dynamic to profiling, and I've played with a lot of different tools about helping you find real problems it's it's not just what ran long but what's used a lot so that sort of combined of you know this may not be the slowest thing but it's used so much compared to that slower thing that it's probably more of a concern well i like what you said about uh the empirical observation often if you ask the developer um they they might give you an answer based on oh i don't know the part of the code that they wiggled the most or the part of the code that they found most challenging or something like that. But the empirical way of looking at it, it you know, gives you a much more grounded way. This is the actual bottleneck. This is the data that I'm getting. Um, so, you know, the tools play a real role there. And it's a good idea to get from the anecdotal evidence to the empirical evidence. Where are you guys on capturing errors at the JavaScript level on the browsers? Um, right now, I believe the let me think. The power tool does, the, the, the client-side instrumentation does capture exceptions and send back the messages. And together with the function, um, you know, the list of, the, the trace of the functions that you're calling, you can get that whole stack trace and everything. Uh, we've done some research into also capturing things like uh, local variables and stack and everything, but that's not in there. And I, But I believe what, what happens with this data right now, since the performance profiler um, doesn't show the exceptions is that this data is just logged in the file um, but not exposed via the interface. So you can go look at it if you want to. Yeah, you could open up the file with your text editor and flip through. You know, that's not, I wouldn't say that that's a, a great experience. Yeah, but you know, that'd be the thing I'd want on for everybody. If, if somebody's, if there's something in my app is throwing exceptions on the client, normally I would never see them, and mm-hmm. most customers are not capable of reporting that effectively. Getting that back to my server, I would add that to my log analysis. That's a really interesting idea. Um, we do have some of that data today, and that whole area of, well, we thought in general that the, the technology, I'm in the diagnostics team, you know, where we make the debugger, this, the new historical debugger, things of that sort, and again, in, uh, getting a better experience out of this client-side code is uh, one of our interests, including, you know, test impact analysis and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, one of, the, one of the really critical aspects of this technology is the interface that we have between the client and the IIS server, and uh, we aim to exploit that going forward. It is funny. Getting visibility into the errors that occur on the client side often leads to some interesting uh, challenges. So one of the things that we found, for example, that this is just an anecdote that I, I really like, is that 
when the browser reports an exception, it does it in the local language. So if you are actually capturing this data on your server side, you're going to get the same error message translated into German and Japanese and all these and, and English and Spanish and everything, and you're going to have to basically flip through these and figure out which ones are the same and which ones aren't. And you know, obviously, things like the call stack trace and everything can, can help there. But it's just a, it's a funny thing about what happens when you start taking errors that are happening on the client side and not intended for the original web, web server's developer, and you start exposing that over. The other thing that's going to happen to you is you're going to, sh you're going to get a new browser deployed, and it's going to behave differently on something. And that's the first warning that you're going to have problems with that browser is these messages coming back. Yes. So that's actually a great analysis to take a look at is take all your incoming um, performance profiles and bucket them by user agent and yeah. see how they're different. You sort of get a feel for how the different uh, JavaScript stacks actually execute on those different browsers. That's right. And you'll also see, I'm sure, um, biases because you know, newer browsers are likely to be deployed on better hardware. Right. You know, your older versions of browsers are going to be on slower hardware, things like that. Well, and it's the same story where the browsers, there's browser wars today about who's running faster. They're running different benchmarks, applications. Are those applications your applications? So with this kind of tool, you can actually quantify that very well um, and, and compare your performance across different browsers, and there you go. It really, what matters is your workload, not these pie-in-the-sky benchmarks that they don't have anything to do with what you're trying to accomplish. So is this um, is this tool an add-on that we can download a CTP of? Is there anything available now? Of course. Yeah, the, the name of the tool is um, uh, Microsoft Visual Studio Ajax Profiling Extensions Power Tool. And, and we had the marketing people come up with that sexy name. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Um, so we still call it Ajax View. Um, okay. But the official name is, is you know, Ajax Profile Extensions. Um, and the URL is code.msdn.com slash AjaxView. That's A-J-A-X-V-I-E-W, all one word. Would you mind if we called it the Ajax View Power Tool? Not a bit. We wouldn't mind at all. <laughs> Not okay. a bit. But it does require Visual Studio Team System or Visual Studio um, uh, uh, de uh, developer edition. Yeah. It does require the profiling yeah. tools. Yeah, and I think it also requires some of the APIs we use we're only introducing SP1. So you do need the Service Pack 1 of Studio installed? Yes, correct. And this is 2008 yeah. we're talking about right now? That's right, 2008. And then on the back end, it's IIS 7? IIS 7 on the back end, and we can then uh, profile your... your um, applications as long as you have the integrated pipeline turned on. At the website that, uh, that Emery just gave you, there's a, a set of requirements there's a, that you can look at and verify that you match up to those. There's a couple of documents that help you get started, and I think there's pointers to the research that uh, Emery and his, uh, his collaborators here have done where people can kind of look at what the thought behind this was and where they think it needs to go. Okay, and, and but development is ongoing. This is only version one. Obviously, we've talked about some of the new stuff you guys have got coming as well, right? We're looking at this to sync this up to Dev 10 so that we have an integrated uh, uh, power tool there. 
Uh, Emery's work was done, though, in, in kind of uh, isolation, really, from what we were doing with DEV10. So really how we go forward with this is a, is a DEV11 issue for us. And quite frankly, right now, I'm not thinking about DEV11, um, heads down, try to finish DEV10 right. and um, getting, getting a quality release out there. But you'll see in DEV10, there are um, a number of uh, functions, uh, profiling functions that we've added, and we could, we could go into them at a later time, but that also give you uh, an enhanced view of your application, and, and I think people are going to like them as well. And this is a, a very nice piece that we're happy to add. Yeah, it does seem like this debugging has been a huge feature add for Dev 10, but this, I guess, is coming a little too late to make Dev 10 per se. Uh, well, it's a power tool, so it's kind of what we we operate we operate one big ship train around Dev 10, and the power tool actually the advantage of doing it that way is that we can ship separately and we don't have to sync up and we we can as it's available make it available. Right. So we're hoping to sync up around the beta 2 of dev 10 and then have a power tool version that then you can plug in. Yeah, there is advantages to being independent like that but rather than being in the big ship. It really is and we're looking at ways of being a little bit more agile about what we can ship and how we can do it, especially as the profiler set of tools gets to be much much the more diverse and Quite frankly, we ought to be able to ship more and more of them on a on a faster schedule, and we'd like to do that. Yep. Now I'm suddenly putting my IT hat on and saying, "Wow, you know, I'd really like it if you fed data to Systems Operations Manager too." Well, one of the features that we're doing with Dev10 in uh, inside the historical debugger is we've got that integration going with uh, System Center for the first time. Oh, really? So we are looking. Yeah, yeah. So now our uh, the fact that something failed. Um, is is forwarded to System Center, and you can do alerting around it. And we're looking at that as the initial piece of that. And as we go forward in the whole diagnostic and performance space, we're looking at uh, emphasizing that more and more. Uh, as I said, so we would look at this kind of data, this performance data, uh, sort of at least service-level data, as being uh, making it available to any of the providers who are going to build management tools, but System Center is right up there and, you know, right down the street from us. So that would behoove us to work with them too. Well, we're just about out of time. You guys have any last minute things you want to throw out there? just want to um, encourage folks, if they take a look at our Ajax profiling tool or, you know, Ajax view tool, you can call it what you want. Um, we would love to get folks feedback, what works well, what doesn't work, kind of um, just to get a better idea of where people think that we should be going with this. All right, Emery, thank you. How do we get in touch with you, Emery? You can email me at... Uh, Emreke, that's E-M-R-E-K, at Microsoft.com. You can also email at AjaxView at Microsoft.com to get the whole team. And, of course, all these email addresses and contact us things are up on the, the Power Tool download site, together with even a discussion forum that we monitor and respond to. So Excellent. any one of these ways will get you to, to test. Excellent. Well, I, I think you'll probably get some uh, good feedback from our listeners. I hope. I'm, I'm sure I will. I'm looking forward to it. Okay. Emery, thank you. Mark? Emery Kichiman and Mark Friedman have been our guests. Check out the website, give them some feedback, and we'll see you next time on Godnet Rocks. Dotnet Rocks is recorded and produced by Pwop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, 
video, post-production, and podcasting services. Online at www.pwop.com. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers. Online at www.franklins.net. For more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds, go to our website at www.dotnetrocks.com. Got a transmitter band.